My name is Jen, and this is my story from the inside. He was really frightened and his first instinct was to run. Yeah, he could have made some very bad mistakes had he not called. In 2018, the WA government imprisoned a minimum of 820 people for unpaid fines alone. Allowing people to cut out their fine at a rate of $250 for each day they spend in jail costs the taxpayers millions of dollars each year. It costs $770 a day to keep a person in prison for the first week. So the policy of jailing fine defaulters actually costs the taxpayers $1,020 per person per day. Women are overrepresented in this group. And Aboriginal women are 65% of the women in prison for unpaid fines alone. In late 2017, one woman was taken by police after calling them for help in a domestic violence incident due to her unpaid fines. What were the fines for? An unregistered dog. We lived in the hills, so they had lots of trees to climb, rocks to climb, just average kids. Nathan was pretty much a goody-two-shoes kid. He wore very thick glasses. He was in a gifted and talented program. He played the cello uh, and was in a youth orchestra. He was just a very academic, good kid. I think, like a lot of parents, um, I saw changes when he was at high school. I think boys particularly go through a bit of a difficult patch, 15 to 18, trying to work out who they are and that kind of thing. So he became less of a goody two-shoes, but still not a troublesome kid. He was pretty easygoing. So my husband and I divorced when uh, Nathan was about 18 and at uni and um, it really seemed to rock my two older sons more than the two younger ones. He just, they just became, I guess, angry. I think they were angry, actually, that their world had been turned upside down. Because we lived in the hills, Nathan was staying quite a few nights at his grandmother's who was close to the university. So I guess I got to see a little bit less of some of the acting out. Um, I actually had no idea how much he was drinking. He began drinking a lot. In fact, I think he spent more time at the pub than he did at uni. So I think that was the beginning of problems for him. Well, there were lots of issues. I mean, the drinking became a really big issue that I was aware of. But again, he wasn't living with me, so it was really quite difficult to reel it in. And I didn't want to alienate him by being too challenging because I felt like he was already doing it quite tough. So I just felt I had to keep just being loving, really, and let him know I was there. So the first inkling I had that he really had had major issues was when he rang me one night about five years ago and told me that um, he'd had communication with the police and had been informed that there was a bench warrant out for him. Well, he came home from work and there was a police card on the door and um, it said to call. So he called the police station and left a message 
and then the police got back to him and said there was a bench warrant out for him. So then he rang me to say, there's a bench warrant out on me. I don't know what that means. I don't know what I've done. What should I do? Panic, really. I asked him what he, what he thought maybe he had done wrong. I asked him, had he been summoned as a witness to court and hadn't gone? Basically, the thing that he came up with was, the only thing he could think of was that he had, he owed money on fines. He t told me about some fines, he hadn't given me the magnitude, and we had put a payment plan in place where he had paid some of the fines off, but had lost his job and, as a consequence, had just let the fines repayment arrangement lapse. Not smart, because if he'd communicated, it might have been better. And then, Ultimately, it caught up with him because they obviously got fed up of carrying thousands of dollars worth of fines uh, against him and so put a bench warrant out for him. I think it started with small fines. I know he was working in a place where he had to park near uh, his workplace because they needed the van constantly to get into, to take off in, to go and do jobs. But there was no easy parking around. So he accrued lots of fines with that. And I think he was a bit resentful because that was a work situation, but they wouldn't pay the fines. So he figured they should, they figured he should. So I think he accrued uh, quite a few in that. He then wasn't working for a while, so then he couldn't pay any of the fines. Then interest was added, it got to be higher. And I think it just accrues. And I think also the courts can feel quite alien and be quite difficult to negotiate if you don't know the system. And so I think a combination of shame, having to go into a court to admit, look, I've got all these fines and I don't know how to pay them or how to set up a payment plan. I think it just overwhelmed him. And so it was just better to avoid the whole situation for him at the time. My advice to him was that he needed to contact the police uh, the next morning, go there and um, turn himself in, which was absolutely not what he wanted to hear. He wanted to hear that I could make it okay. Um, I have to say he's about 30 at this stage, so it's fortunate he rang because I think a lot of 30-year-olds may not ring their parents. Um, yeah, so I told him he needed to turn himself in, that if he didn't, ultimately it would all catch up with him. I told him not to take his mobile because they'd take it. I told him not to wear a belt because they'd take it. And I told him to eat before he went because uh, he may not get food. And if he did, he may not want to eat it, which was exactly what happened. I just told him to prepare himself that he needed to demonstrate that he was cooperative, that it was a much better way of doing things rather than waiting until the police caught up with him. To be really honest, first of all, I didn't realise the magnitude of the, the money that he owed. I mean, it was, you know, something like 16000 which seems extraordinary to just get him fines, but because interest is put on them, it just builds up really quickly. So I didn't realise how serious it was, and I didn't actually think that my son, who had always been a good kid, could end up in prison over fines. He was immediately uh, locked up which is a first for him. Um, and then he was transported in a uh, police car to the court. 
and in lockup there waiting to be seen by a judge or magistrate. He, he talks about how um, the smell stays with him. It, it's just, I think it's a terrible smell of old urine and vomit and all of that kind of thing overlaid by disinfectant. So it's not a particularly pleasant smell. And he's always been quite finicky about cleanliness. So for him, that was pretty confronting. The duty lawyer came out and saw me and um, that's when I became aware of how serious it was because she said that because he'd had so many fines, he hadn't, he'd made an effort to pay them off and then kind of withdrawn from that because he lost his job, but nonetheless withdrawn from it. She said that there was a chance that depending on who the judge or magistrate was, that he may be sent to prison to give him an example of how bad he'd really been. Um, that's when I got really scared. Terrifying because um, that's not my reality. You know, my kids had always had um, a, a fairly average life, you know, got into a little bit of trouble at school now and again, but nothing particularly dramatic. Um, they'd not been suspended or expelled or anything like that. And, um, and so it was just shocking absolutely shocking for me to think that this could have happened to one of my children and just I just remember thinking god I'd do anything to stop it from happening you know sell the house whatever just pay whatever and um and make it right After lunch, my son was called up and, and the contrast was quite stark. He was well dressed and clean and polite and, you know, all the things a normal person would be and, and utterly terrified. I could see that he was utterly terrified. And he got lucky. He got a magistrate that um, maybe he's been a you know, father, I don't know, but he gave my son an absolute lecture on how irresponsible he'd been and how if he didn't get his life together, he would end up in prison and that's not the life that he thinks that, you know, thought my son really should have and that kind of thing. So he got a real lecture, but he was let off. He just had to put a payment plan in place and pay off the fines. He was, I think he was utterly in shock. I mean, we we're both pathetically relieved, to be honest. Prior to all this, my son had a somewhat glamorised view of prison, um, too much telly and, and thinking that, you know, you could just kind of be cool and tough and you'd get through. I think this woke him up completely, just the smell. He still, you know, as I said, the smell just absolutely rocked him. The people that he was sitting next to and interact, having to interact with work, like a whole group of people he'd never seen before. So it, it really shook him and he just, first response was, I have to go home and shower. He felt dirty. But from that point on, he was then utterly committed to paying off his fines and he's done it and gone on to have, you know, a good life with his own business. Um, he's got a little girl who's turning one next year. He's married and life is great, but it could have been very different. Utterly a turning point in his life. I, I think it was imperative that he got how serious the situation was, that he couldn't just continue being this Peter Pan where he just didn't recognise what he was doing as wrong and thought he could get away with it. 
So I think, you know, that woke him up to it. And I think he realised that he had a choice around what kind of life he wanted. So he was very lucky, but not all people get that lucky. Even working with people who um, have committed crimes or are in prison and leaving prison, it's very easy to kind of think they're different, you know, and even though I work with them all the time, you can kind of think, oh, well, their lives have been really hard, that's why they've ended up where they've ended up. My son's life hadn't been that hard. Yes, we'd had a drama with divorce, uh, when his dad and I divorced, but really, um, other than other than shaking up his view of the world's happiest family kind of thing, he hadn't had major trauma to deal with. So, I, it made me kind of rethink and just say it can happen to anyone. Spoken to him and his three brothers about it um, pretty constantly because I work primarily with men, I'm really interested in how, I've become very interested in how we as a society condition our men to behave. And so my very sweet, well-behaved young boys at a certain point rejected my influences, probably when they were around 15, rejected my influences and took on external influences and those influences are things like, you know, driving fast is cool, um, disregarding the law to some degree, like with parking in the wrong place and whatever is cool. Um, all of that is seen as quite blokey and okay and being quite dismissive about consequences like prison. That is the attitude that pretty much all of them have developed despite coming from a home that doesn't reinforce that. So the external pressure to conform to a certain kind of male, I think is really there for lots of guys in the community. There should be huge differences between the groups that I work with and my children, but in actual fact, there weren't. I kept saying, what else have you done? Because I couldn't believe that parking fines and driving fines and I think some train non-payment of train fare fines, couldn't believe that that was something that would put someone in prison. I recognise that it's the wrong thing to do and he now recognises it was the wrong thing to do. I think he knew that all along, but I don't think any of us thought that you could end up in prison. to him last night actually and um, he said to me in honesty mum I did deserve to go to prison and I said you deserve to go to prison because you didn't pay fines and he said well I did the wrong thing so I guess what I would be saying and, and I think he would be saying is prison's the extreme that probably isn't ideal um, the better way would be give people a way to access the system easily and give them a way to work off these fines if they can't afford to pay them. And I would say most young people probably would struggle to pay serious high fines um, as many unemployed people or people on restricted incomes would have a problem. So let's find a better way for them to work off the fines rather than 
trying to get them to pay, adding interest so that it becomes overwhelming and then incarcerate them at further cost. He came out of um, the lockup after court. He came out like, I'm never going there again. I never want to be in that space again. I will do what it takes to, to make it all okay. And so, yeah, I think he has had a second chance and realises it's absolutely up to him. I mean, he's, he's paid off all the fines. He's now in the clear. I guess it won't ever happen again. He drives quite sedately now, so. <laughs> but mind you, he's got a baby as well. So, you know, he's now the committed father. And um, yeah, I just don't think he would go back there. So I think he's one of the lucky ones that has come through it. You know, not a great experience, but he got the, the opportunity to get it right. We were very lucky that I had some understanding of the system and was able to sort of say, look, it's just going to be better for you if you do this voluntarily rather than wait for them to catch up with you. And lucky that we've always had the sort of relationship that when it gets really bad, he would speak to me and not, um, and not hide it. I mean, he hid hid the magnitude of the fines for, you know, many years. But when it got really bad and really scary, thank God he felt able to come to me and speak to me about it. You know, I think young boys particularly, and even young men, because we now know men's brains don't fully develop until they're nearly 30. Um, I think young men really struggle with learning from others' mistakes. I think often they have to have the experience themselves. And so um, luckily the other three have not done or got themselves into anywhere near the situation. I have had my now 27-year-old has just finished paying off fines, so he did have fines too, put payment plans in place. Not, not anywhere near, just a couple of fines, certainly not 16,000. But, you know, that's shocking. Earlier intervention might have been nice before the fines got as high as they did. And look, I don't think he, those 16,000 is nothing compared to some of the fines I hear, you know, 30 something. I think early intervention so that it doesn't add up would be great. And simplification of the system so that young people who possibly know nothing about the justice system, have an ability to engage in a positive way and say, look, I've done the wrong thing. How do I get out of this? How do I make it right and, you know, make it go away? That would have been a good thing. So just sending a letter to an irresponsible 20 year old probably isn't a great way to try and recoup money. People don't have a lot of money um, if they're unemployed they're not going to have a huge amount of money, give them an option to work it off properly. I think my story says it can happen to anyone's son or daughter and we don't want to criminalise our youth. You know, let's put something in place so that there's another way for them to take responsibility. They've done the wrong thing, as my son said, he deserved some sort of punishment. They've done the wrong thing, let's find a way to help them take responsibility and make it right rather than ridiculous fines and then sending them to prison. People who end up in prison aren't the people over there. They're just normal people like me and my family. And um, 
it can touch anyone's life. It's incredibly destructive. And I think we need, particularly with young people, to recognise that and find better ways of doing things for them. We can reform our justice system to make it better for families, better for communities, and fairer for all Western Australians. Social reinvestment proposes evidence-based alternatives that are an effective and connected approach to justice, which makes economic and social sense for Western Australia. In the case of fine default and people being imprisoned for unpaid fines, we can end the imprisonment of vulnerable and disadvantaged persons who belong in the community. We need to call upon our politicians to vote for fine default reform to end the imprisonment of individuals for unpaid fines, including introducing a resourced work and development permit scheme where people can work off their fines by contributing back to the community or through getting the help that they might need with mental health or AOD support. We need to enable options for people who are struggling financially, especially mothers, to declare hardship and postpone repayments until they have the ability to pay those fines back. And we need to ensure that imprisonment can only be used to punish unpaid fines as a very last resort and after an appearance before a magistrate. We deserve a smart justice strategy in WA that responds to the underlying social issues that can lead to crime and builds healthy families and safe communities, rather than reactionary policies which do not create sustainable change. You can join us in taking action to mend our broken system in WA. I'm Sophie Stewart, the coordinator of Social Reinvestment WA. The first thing you could do is subscribe to this podcast and help us spread the message. Next, go to our website, sign our petition, join up to the movement. Stories from the Inside is brought to you by Social Reinvestment WA, a coalition of West Australian organisations trying to build a better justice system. It was produced on the lands of the Wadjuk Noongar people. We pay respects to their people past, present and future. The podcast is written and produced by Anthony Stewart with research by Donna Self. Sophie Stewart is the executive producer, music by Ned Beckley and Equate Studios. For more information or to get involved in the campaign, head, head to www.socialreinvestmentwa.org.au.